So just how far down do you want to go? Well, we could talk it out over a cup of joe. And you could look deep into my eyes like I was a supermodel.
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW Fight for the Fallen 2023. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we get into anything, I do got some stuff I need to uh, make clear right off the bat. Bright, big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas, bum, bum, bum. The monkeys fuck, the world is sucks, deep in the heart of Texas, one, two, three. It's always three claps. If it ain't three claps, you're a fucking Yankee. Okay, good to know. Uh, Gator, you pretty much made it clear you didn't want to be part of AEW, so why are you here? Mr. Bujarelli. What? I'm not okay. Why are you not okay? What's the problem? I saw a man with a chainsaw. <laughs> yes, I haven't quite gotten to that part yet. <laughs> There was a chainsaw in my wrestling. Yes, there was it a chainsaw. Terry Funk. Yes, it, it was. It was a chainsaw. There was no Terry Funk. It was Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was the guy that looks like you, named Junior, from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This wasn't good. Yes, they were. They had a match. They were promoting the new Texas Chainsaw video game, which is coming out Friday. <laughs> That was not a match. It's a video game. It's coming out. They're promoting it. That's where it should have stayed. It was in a video game. Okay. So. There was a chainsaw. Yes, Gator. There was a chainsaw. I haven't. There was a guy that looked like my mama on the TV with a chainsaw. Okay. Well, he had the same haircut. Yes. And like I said, there, that's the reason. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was sponsoring the show with their new video game that comes out on Friday. So they promoted it by having this death match. That I haven't even talked about yet that I'm going to get to later on. I'd rather watch 10 hours of Nick Wayne's greatest hits. I don't even think he has 10 hours of greatest hits. We can give him 10 hours of his greatest hits. I can hit him in the face for 10 hours. Okay, if you got the stamina for it. Well, yes, I have the stamina. Okay. Ask Lisa. She knows. <laughs> she knows. Oh, God. Okay. I'm already I'm uncomfortable. Sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Budrelli. I'm being a baddie. Yes, very much so. Anyway, I... I do have a recap I need to get back to. Okay, uh, that's fine. Um, this one this one goes out to the ginger. I got the right stuff. First time was the best time. Second time we had crack. Third time we was making love and in the back of the pickup we had the right stuff, baby. No. Oh my god. Really? You're singing new kids on the block now? Well yeah. I sang it right, too. I got all the lyricals. Those were not the right words. <laughs> okay, then I'll sing a song I know all the lyricals, too. <clears throat> if I leave here tomorrow. Oh, no. Mr. Budrelli, shut up. Don't speak during Leonard Skinner. That's unchristian. Would you still remember me? Because I'll be traveling on now. I should have put the lyrics in front of me. Because I'm as free as a bird now. I should have remembered the fucking words. Yes, that's even more unchristian. You shut up. I've got a headache. I saw bad wrestling. <laughs> so did I. I saw the bad wrestling, too. Well, yeah, but we're not talking about the main event. We don't talk about that. 
I saw uh, there was a man with a chainsaw. Yes, there was a man with a chainsaw. Thank you. Now, uh, unless you're going to stick around, I'd like don't to get... Don't eat the chili. Well, I don't like chili to begin with, but... Don't eat the chili. Yes, we don't eat the chili. That's true. Don't, don't eat the chili. Don't eat the chili. Yes, chili's bad. Ch chili's bad. Don't eat the chili. Chili's bad. It's bad. It's just bad. So, can I do the recap now, or do you actually want to jump in on this? Which I don't think you do. No, I just enjoy singing. So I'm going to go, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to throw a concert here shortly. I'm going to be playing at uh, some place in Athens, Georgia. Athens? Yes, Chuck Steakhouse in Athens, Georgia, where we like it when they put your meat in their mouth. Oh, God. Okay. That's... Live in Athens, Georgia. I'm going to be doing a live concert because if Jeff Hardy can do a live concert, so can I. Yes, I, I believe Jeff did a live concert in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. He did. He can do live concerts. Some guy plays guitar. So what I'm going to do is I have a five-piece banjo band. You have a five-piece banjo band. And one guitar. Okay. And the cousin Billy's on the milk jug. Okay. And then Betty Joe plays the titties. Okay. Yeah, we found out if she took a mallet to her titties, it kind of sounds like a xylophone. Okay. You should hear her when she creeps jingle bells. Anyway... Goodbye, children. Yes, goodbye. Free as a bird now. Mr. Booty really set me free. Okay, well, that was so awkward and uncomfortable that I don't even know how I can even transition from all that nonsense. Um, I will say, though, that Gator drove me insane uh, during the show because he felt compelled to call me during the show, which I'm going to put this little disclaimer out here before I officially get started with this recap, and that is this. Do not call me when wrestling's on the TV. That's just a rule. Every Tuesday night, unless we go on break, I am watching NXT. Every Wednesday night, unless we go on break, I am watching AEW. So between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock on those two days, I am not to be disturbed. If you call me during that time, someone better be dying. Someone better be bleeding. Someone better be on fire. There better be an emergency of epic proportions. Because if you're calling me in the middle of wrestling to either A, shoot the shit about random crap, or call to tell me what's going on while the show is happening, you you're going to piss me off. You just are. If you wish to text me or DM me, go right ahead. I will accept those. But under no circumstances do I want people talking to me during wrestling. Especially, especially if there's a promo or a segment happening. If the wrestlers are talking, that is definitely a time to not bother me. Because I have to pay attention to what's being said in the promos so I can properly recap it for the audience. Because there's times where I have to use either go back and watch a promo or if I can't just struggle and improv my way through recapping a promo because some jackass decided to call me in the middle of it to talk to me about stupid shit. It's like, look, I'm watching the show. You don't have to call me to tell me what's going on on the TV. I see what's going on in the TV. Now, when the show is over, if you would like to call me, I'll answer the phone. But if the show is still ongoing, either text me if you have my number, DM me if you're following me on social media, which you should, or or leave me the fuck alone until the show is over. Then you can call me. Sorry, I need to get that shit off my chest. Now, this is the moment of the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to hit the high spots here with Collision. Um, 
obviously in this one uh, Ricky Starks talked about why he attacked uh, Ricky Steamboat which um, you know he said that you know Steamboat got whipped because that's what you do when somebody messes up you know it's like he compared it to disciplining children which I thought was a great great promo um, he said that Starks was suspended for 30 days because Steamboat was an official referee granted he was a referee that spent most of his time standing outside the ring not doing a goddamn thing which to me is another example of Steamboat being a lazy sack of shit when you're hiring him to do a job and you know Starks cut an incredible promo he got a manager's license so he can be on the show he just can't wrestle for 30 days but he can still be in corners and manage stuff and he does plan on finishing what he started with CM Punk which I part of me would like to see happen at all in but it doesn't look like that's going to happen so I'm hoping they plan on dragging that out to all out in Chicago I think that's when uh, Starks and Punk should go one on one then of course the acclaim comes out and has a match with the Iron Savages fairly decent match they did a pretty good job then they talk about you know Billy Gunn being retired and they get everybody to do the scissors for Billy Gunn and I don't know I have a weird feeling I don't know if Billy Gunn is truly retired I have a feeling he's going to come back maybe break away from the acclaim and try to be his own person because I do I, I don't care what anybody says I want to see Billy Gunn get a run with the AEW world title whether it's the world title held by MJF or the world title held by CM Punk I don't care I think Billy Gunn should get one run as a world champion because he can still go in the ring he can still draw money and he's a credible legend that when he inevitably drops the title to somebody else he can put somebody over in a damn big way an even bigger way than just simply losing to them in a fucking trios match I just feel like they can do better with him. And then Statlander and Nightingale took on Diamante and Mercedes Martinez. That was a fairly decent tag match. Thought it was very well done. Diamante and Martinez got the win, which is the way it should be. Um, because they're actual credible wrestlers and the other two are not. Then, of course, you got Samoa Joe making quick work of Andrew Everett. who That name sounds familiar. I feel like I've seen this guy somewhere before. I can't remember if I've worked a show with him or not. But that name definitely sounded familiar. But Samoa Joe obviously made quick work of him. Him and basically said that CM Punk is acting like a bitch because he still hasn't given him an answer regarding uh, whether or not to face him at all in. So basically he tried to be nice. Now he's basically saying he's not going to be nice. Basically he's going roadhouse on his ass. Then Christian Cage comes out and he comes out and does an incredible promo about the TNT title. He says it's the largest family reunion he's ever been a part of by basically implying that everybody in North Carolina are related. Basically you know, banging their siblings and cousins and all that. He then tries to say that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, which is, it's a way to get heat, but we all know Christian is full of shit, because if you think LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan, you're fucking retarded. Then he talks about, he runs down Ric Flair, because he says he's superior to Ric Flair in pro wrestling, and the fans start wooing. Then he says the TNT champions demand respect, cause, and by that he means himself and Luchasaurus. It's great, entertaining, then of course um, Darby Allen comes out and basically um, cuts a promo. Then eventually we see uh, Arn Anderson coming out saying this is Horseman Country. He's coming out with his son Brock, which doesn't make a lick of fucking sense to me because I was under the impression he was managing Wardlow. I'd like to know where the fuck Wardlow is. So that's why I'm taking offense to what I'm seeing here because I'm like, okay, I get that Brock is his son, but he was managing Wardlow. I'm now supposed to believe that Brock is going to be a fucking credible contender to the TNT 
title when he's barely on TV as it is. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm not buying it. But then obviously Darby Allen is making it clear that he wants a match for the TNT title. And in fact, I think they mentioned that they're planning on making that a match for All Out. I think he's actually going to face Christian Cage or Luchasaurus for the TNT title at All Out. Because obviously he's not going to do it at All In because he's teaming up with Sting to take on Swerve Strickland and AR Fox in the tag team coffin match. Then Powerhouse Hobbs comes out and says that he's basically getting ready for the next chapter. He's breaking away from, I think, the QT bullshit. And he's he's saying that his next chapter is called Redemption. So he wants a match with Miro, the Redeemer. And then a couple people come out. They beat him down. And, you know, now they're setting up a feud between Hobbs and Miro, which I'm intrigued to see where that goes. Most likely it'll probably happen at All Out because I feel like the All In card is already filled up. So I don't see why they would add more matches. Then again, it is AEW. They'll probably keep it going till the wee hours of the night, even though technically it starts at 1 o'clock our time, but it's obviously 8 p.m. England's time. Then we have the main event, which is uh, for the Trios Championship, House of Black defends against CMFTR. Fairly decent match. Um, you know, everybody does a great job, but then, of course, House of Black has to retain, which is fucking stupid. But, of course, it happens because Samoa Joe attacks CM Punk in the match, basically making it clear that he wants CM Punk one-on-one. So I'm pretty sure on Saturday, this week for Collision, I think they're going to set the stage for Punk versus Joe at All In, which obviously is going to happen because Tony Khan doesn't have the fucking balls to pull the trigger with uh, Punk versus Kenny. And obviously the elites, they're too whiny, they're too much of being whiny little bitches to even try to do business with Punk. So that's why they're separate and that's why they're always going to be separate because Punk is being an adult while they're still acting like fucking children. But anyway, like I said, main event was decent, but again, House of Black retained and the trio's belts continue to mean absolutely nothing. And with that said, we are now going to jump into a Dynamite, and we kick things off with our first official match of the evening for the AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy defends the title against Wheeler Yuta. Now, normally I call him Wheeler Useless, and the reason is because out of all the members of the Blackpool Combat Club, he's fucking useless. It really is, if I'm being brutally honest. But, for the first time ever, Wheeler actually made himself useful because he was able to do, with Orange Cassidy, the same thing Logan Paul was able to do at Ricochet at SummerSlam. He kept the match on the ground and there wasn't any spot monkey bullshit. Now, eventually towards the end, Cassidy did do some of his, you know, spot monkey bullshit, but 90% of the match was grounded and that's because of Wheeler. 100% because of Wheeler. And also, we didn't have to see the stupid shin kicks. He didn't stick his hands in his fucking pockets. And I've learned that Orange Cassidy, in order to actually behave like a fucking wrestler, he has to be put in a serious feud in order to be an actual wrestler and not a fucking clown. Like, this is the best match I've seen Orange Cassidy have in all the time I've watched AEW. I have not seen him have a better match than this. And I don't know if he'll have a match that will be better than this. Because I don't think Cassidy's capable of that. But he had a good dance partner that was able to keep him grounded, which I enjoyed. Then, of course, after this, the Blackpool Combat Club, they attack Cassidy after the bell because he rolls up Wheeler for the win, which sucked because I felt Wheeler should have actually walked out with his title. But then the best friends come out. The BCC attack them. The Lucha Brothers come out and make the save. Then they go out to get some more chairs. Out comes Eddie Kingston, who fights them off. Then he grabs a microphone and challenges the Blackpool Combat Club to a... 
six-on-six stadium stampede match at All In. Now, they tried to say or insinuate or imply that they haven't had a stadium stampede since Daly's Place, which technically they have. They just called it Anarchy in the Arena, but it's the same fucking match. It's all over the fucking building. And to me, that's fucking dumb to have this match because, again, this is another one of those matches where it's designed to get everybody on the card. That's what it is. That's all this match is. And I hate matches that do this, where you have multi-man matches and you have to do that because everybody has to be on the card because if somebody gets left out, they're going to whine, they're going to bitch, they're going to moan, they're going to cry on social media. I deserve to have my moment because I'm in a spoiled, entitled piece of shit brat. That's every wrestler today. Almost a lot of the modern wrestlers are fucking brats who think they're entitled to every Everything. When in reality, big important shows should only have the big important wrestlers on it. That's what it should have. You should only have your big names, your big talent, the people that are going to draw money. That's what wrestling is supposed to be about. The only reason they're able to get away with this is because they have a stadium that needs a match. They don't have a match that needs a stadium. That's why the card, for the most part, is very disappointing, which I knew it would be. You also have to factor in that this is in England, the UK. They don't get a lot of American wrestling often. So if you put AEW or WWE in there, they're going to pack the place. But you got to keep in mind, WWE has sold out stadiums and packed stadiums in America and overseas. So AEW has this all-in pay-per-view, and they already want to flex their chest like they're badasses. But they still got a long way to go before they can be taken seriously as a real promotion and not just secondary. Like, you really want to fuck with WWE? Pack a stadium in America. I'd love to see that happen. But we all know it wouldn't because AEW only caters to a small niche audience. That audience is strong overseas. It ain't strong in America. Maybe someday it will be, and I'll end up eating my words. But for now, those are the facts. Next, we're going to cut to the in-ring segment. We're going to skip the interview because I'm invoking my elite rule. And we go into Chris Jericho and Don Callis. Jericho comments on the downfall of the Jericho Appreciation Society and says it's forced him to reevaluate himself and his ways. He says he doesn't join factions. He creates them. Jericho says the answer is obvious. He tells Callis that his answer about joining the Don Callis family is yes, as he needed to go back to his roots and align with someone he's known for years, someone who's as low as him. Jericho then unveils the painting that Callus brought with him. The pairing shows Callus holding Jericho's disembodied head. Jericho says Callus must have thought he was going to say no. Callus tries to talk his way out of it. Jericho tells Callus to be straight with him. He yells at Callus and demands the truth. Callus admits that he didn't think Jericho would say yes. He said he thought Jericho would say no because of his massive ego. Callus says it has always been about Jericho. He says Jericho is the greatest egomaniac. Callus says Jericho doesn't deserve to be in his family. Jericho fires back by saying no one cares about Callus and he has lost everything. He calls Callus a lowlife, a worm, and an asshole. Callus slaps Jericho. Jericho grabs him. Takesha tries to attack Jericho, but Jericho fights him off. Will Osprey attacks Jericho. Osprey hits Jericho with a chair, and Osprey, Takesha, and Callus gang up on Jericho, and Sammy Guevara makes the save. I loved this segment. I thought this was a very, very, very well done promo. 
I couldn't have been more impressed with Jericho and Don Callis in this. Like, Callis being excited, waiting for Jericho's answer. Jericho setting it up like he was going to say no, but then say yes. And Callis was obviously shocked. He honestly thought Jericho would say no, but then uh, Callis is quickly trying to get out of the ring. He wants to go celebrate. But then Jericho's like, wait, let's see the painting. And Callis goes, no, 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 no. Let's not worry about it. We don't need to see it. And then that's when Jericho decides to look at it and sees the head, which that kind of reminded me of the Kathy Griffin, Donald Trump incident when Kathy Griffin held up that severed head of Donald Trump and then her whole career went in the toilet because of it and I remember that because that was the first time I saw a comedian get canceled that actually deserved to get canceled because I don't think Cosby had gone to jail yet if I if I recall correctly but either way Kathy Griffin was one of those comics that deserved to get canceled because look I'm all for comedians making jokes but that's not a joke there was no punchline there was no setup to a joke it was in bad taste and it's because Kathy Griffin is a psycho liberal who hates Trump and tries to blame Trump for why she can't get work anymore when in reality it's because she was never funny or talented and did something to finally bury what little career she had. But anyway, this isn't a political show so I'll get off of that. But either way, great storytelling right here. I was a little thrown by Takesha showing up and all that because I was under the impression that Takesha was going to be busy with the six-man tag they mentioned with um, Adam Page, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi against Takesha, Jay White, and Juice Robinson. Which, thankfully, that's a match I can skip because I hate almost everyone in it. Except Takesha. I don't really hate him because, like I said, he impressed me at Forbidden Door. That's why I call him by his Christian name now. But I'm assuming Will Ospreay's in there for other reasons, but I'm not going to get into that right now because I don't want to step over other parts of this show. So we'll move on. Next, we see a video package highlighting Jack Perry's run as the FTW champion. He comments on his win over Rob Van Dam and calls himself the greatest FTW champion of all time. Perry says he wants to go out on top, so he'll retire the title next week. I loved this promo from Jack Perry, and I've been loving the heel run that he is on. So I was very impressed with this. I was. I I give props. I give cool points. This was very well done, and I don't know if he's going to retire the title next week, or if this is going to lead to a match at All In or All Out. At this point, I would say All Out, because I don't think All In needs any more matches. I think we're, uh, I think we're set, so I don't think we need to worry about that, but either way, there's still a lot to take in with the FTW title being retired. Um, obviously, I'm okay with it because it's not even a recognized championship, and I feel like that belt has run its course. And as I mentioned before many, many times with both promotions, the last thing we need is more belts. We don't need any more belts. If anything, we could stand to lose a couple belts. Because if every wrestler is walking to the ring with a fucking belt on, then it has no value. Belts have no value if everybody's wearing one, okay? It's like one big participation trophy. Everybody gets to hold a title. Everybody gets to walk to the ring. It looks, it kills the credibility of the promotion. It kills the credibility of the belt. And it means, like I said, if everybody's special, then no one's special. If everyone can easily be replaced, then no one's special. Someone has to be special at some point. You need to have a title to have a champion to separate from the pack. That's the problem with modern wrestling. It's the problem with the world today. Nobody wants to separate from the pack. Everybody wants to blend in with the sheep. And that is a problem, and it slows down progress. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got Darby Allen and Nick Wayne versus the Gates of Agony. 
I love that name because agony is exactly what I was feeling throughout this entire match. Was pain and agony. This was a waste of time and it had the usual bullshit that you see. And in the end, Darby hits the coffin drop for the win. And then Sting appears on the video game and says he's directing movies now. He tells Fox he better have eyes in the back of his head. Sting looks forward to the coffin match at All In. The camera reveals that he's next to Prince Nana. Sting tells Nana it's showtime. He scares Nana who runs away. Okay, that was stupid. I liked Sting, but that was a waste of time. Again, all this does is try to build up the coffin match, which uh, at this point, I really don't care. Like, I have no emotional investment in this at all, in this coffin match, um, except for, you know, how the match is actually going to play out. But until I start seeing some coffins actually come out and I see some real mind games being played, this is just fucking dumb, and I'm not going to waste any more time on it. Next, we cut to uh, MJF and Adam Cole, who do some bonding, as they get ready for their Ring of Honor World Tag Team title match at All In during Zero Hour. MJF takes Cole to Outback Steakhouse, and he gets worried about their wrestling because the food is so good. Cole says they should watch some Australian movies, and he pulls out Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2. MJF plays a clip of kangaroos fighting and gets inspired by it. He mimics a kangaroo kick. Cole has another idea. They spoof Steve Irwin and watch some alligators. MJF and Cole practice the double clothesline. They then get sent to Tony Khan's office and the door is closed, but Khan is heard yelling at them. MJF says Khan will pay for that when it's contract season in 2024. Khan opens the door and MJF plays nice. MJF and Cole roll up in the parking lot. They head to the ring and Roger Strong just misses them. He kicks the car tire and hurts his foot in the process. Okay, this was funny and very entertaining. And that's the thing. MJF and Adam Cole do the goofiest segments, but because their chemistry is so great and on point. It's like I said before, it's comedy and wrestling done right. It's done the right way. Everything in here was great. Even, you know, Tony Khan yelling at them and freaking out. Nice to see Tony Khan actually on fucking TV. You know, and he was wearing a fucking suit, which surprised the shit out of me. Holy crap, he actually owns a suit. He actually dresses like a fucking owner. He dresses like a fucking businessman. I thought that was impressive as hell. And of course, you know, MJF talking shit and then Khan goes, what was that? He goes, oh, nothing, boss nothing boss it was funny it was a new side to MJF where he's being a playful baby face and he's doing it so well it's so well done and it's beautiful it's beautiful MJF is proving that he can make it as a baby face and to me the fact that he is just as good a baby face as he is a heel shows me that he is a generational talent I know before MJF was calling himself a generational talent but this solidifies it the fact that he could pull off being a babyface as well as a heel. And then we cut to the in-ring segment with MJF and Adam Cole. Also, side note, I laughed hysterically when Roderick Strong uh, kicked the tire and hurt his foot because obviously he's sick of this shit. We're not. MJF hypes up the crowd. Adam Cole vows to win the ROH World Tag Team titles at AEW All-In. MJF gets a kangaroo kick chant going. They say they're going to win the gold with a double clothesline. Cole shifts gears and brings to the world title match. He says it will be the most important match of his life. Cole knows that just a few months ago, doctors told him he might never wrestle again. And now he's headlining the biggest show in AEW history. Cole tells MJF he loves him and but says he needs to win and he says he will do anything to win. MJF says his story is better. He looks back on his first day in wrestling when he named Cody Rhodes and Adam Cole as his two dream opponents. MJF reflects putting on 90,000 miles on his new car within a year because he worked hard on the independent scene. He then found out about the first all-in. MJF describes how he reached out to Cody 
Cody Rhodes asking for an opportunity, and Cody gave him a shot. He then details how Tony Khan offered him a contract, and he says there would be no MJF without All In. Jumping ahead to 2023, MJF says he became a generational talent and the world champion. MJF calls AEW All In the biggest opportunity of his career. He calls Cole his best friend and says the match means a lot to him. However, MJF says headlining the match with Cole doesn't mean everything to him. MJF says the title means everything to him. He highlights everything he has put into the winning the title and says while he loves Cole, a win in Wembley will make him legendary. MJF bows to win and says nobody is on his level. Cole says may the best man win. MJF says he thinks the best man will win and he's better than you and you know it. Cole says the new champion's name will be Adam Cole Baby. Aussie Open try to attack MJF and Cole, but the brochachos fight them off. Cole teases super kicking MJF, but the champion turns around and Cole stands down. They hug and stand tall. I love this segment. I love it. These are two of the best in AEW right now. They cut incredible promos together and cut an incredible one here. They emphasize how badly they want to win the World Tag Team titles. But they finally got serious. Adam Cole had to look MJF in the eye and tell him the truth. Which was, you are my best friend and I love you like a brother. But I am willing to do whatever it takes to win when that bell rings. I am coming for the title. And MJF said, bro, I love you like a brother. I cherish this tag team, and I have all the respect in the world for you. But this title means everything to me, and I'm not just going to lay down for you. So if you want this title, you're going to have to beat me for it, but you can't because I'm better than you, and you know it. I love that. They got straight up. They got honest, and this is why I love it, because now we know there's going to be a fight. They're going to go into zero hour as a team, as the best of friends that they've always been. And their goal is to win the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. But when it comes time for the main event, when they're standing in that ring and they ring the freaking bell, as Adam Cole likes to say, there's going to be a fight. And I like it because both of them now understand where the other one is coming from. There's no tricks. There's no lies. There's nothing that can be said or done to break them up because they made it clear. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. I'm going to do what I got to do when that bell rings. So both these guys should know going in, if they have an opportunity to win, they're going to take it any way they can. They are going to pay whatever price they have to pay. They're going to stoop down to whatever level they have to stoop to to become the world champion. Because the title means everything to both of them. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you have two baby faces face each other one-on-one. -on -one. That's how you have two friends face each other one-on-one. -on -one. If you're going to book that, tag team partner versus tag team partner, friend versus friend, brother versus brother, and you're doing it with both of them as baby faces in the spirit of competition, that is how you sell the story. Right there. You make it clear, regardless of how this match ends, we will still be friends. We will still be brothers. We will still be tag team partners. But when that bell rings, I'm playing to win. I want to take that title from you. And I hope there's no hard feelings if I do. And MJF is like, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to hold on to this title. Because as much as I would hate to crush your dreams, I still want to be the champ. Because MJF said that title represents his blood, his sweat, his tears, and everything he sacrificed. Missing births, missing dates, missing funerals, missing a lot of things in his life. Hell, his fiance leaving him is a sacrifice. 
that MJF made for the business, for that title. He's not just going to hand it over, and he also wants to make sure he has it because he wants to use it as a bargaining chip in the bidding war of 2024, which for those of you who don't remember, 2024 is when MJF's contract expires. And by the end of that contract, depending on who offers the most money, because MJF has made it clear, this is about the money, he'll either stay in AEW or he'll go to the WWE. And MJF knows he is a hot commodity. And if WWE signs him, that is a major steal from AEW. That's a major loss to the company if he goes to WWE, especially if Triple H is running things. I don't know if Vince will know what to do with MJF, but most of us have faith that Triple H will know what to do, and then we'll figure out where MJF goes. Does he go to the main roster? Does he go to NXT first? What does he do? But if MJF went to WWE, that would be a major, major signing, and that would hurt AEW immensely because MJF is one of the few genuine good talents that this company has. Because there are a lot of great wrestlers in this company. There really are. But there's also a cornucopia of indie jackoffs. And the indie jackoffs, they're here to stay. Because WWE ain't signing them. WWE's only looking to sign the people that they know will make money. And then we cut to the backstage area where Chris Jericho is asked about Will Ospreay attacking him. He says Osprey would have had the match if not for the pandemic. Jericho says nothing can stop it now as he challenges Osprey to a match at All In. So, yeah, this is how they're setting up Chris Jericho versus Will Osprey. I would have preferred him against Takesha, but whatever. I like this promo, but I'm not excited for this match. I'm being honest. Because I like the fact that Chris Jericho is showing a, a different side to him than we've seen in a while. I like that Jericho is going back to being a babyface. I feel like he needs to. I also like the fact that Sammy Guevara is kind of in his corner now because, you know, Sammy was the one guy who didn't desert Jericho during the Appreciation Society thing. He basically told him, look, get your shit together and I'll be waiting. But everybody else pretty much said, I'm done with Chris. So it looks like him and Sammy might be doing their own thing, assuming Jericho starts another faction. Or just go solo on his own. Or if him and Sammy decide to become tag team champions down the road. As the sex gods. But either way, you know, Jericho cut an incredible promo here. But I'm not a Will Ospreay fan. I'm really not. I know a lot of people are. Because he's one of those, you know, premier spot monkeys and everything. But thankfully Jericho knows that style very well. But I'm hoping as the veteran, Jericho will be able to pull a good match out of Will. And won't try to wrestle Will's style. And instead make Will wrestle Jericho's style. And be the ring general. And keep Will Ospreay on the ground as much as possible. So they can do some psychology and some storytelling. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deathmatch. Jeff Hardy goes one-on-one -on -one against Jeff Jarrett. Now, I know Gator was going on and on about this earlier because he felt compelled to bring this up. But I'll let you guys in a little secret. Originally, Gator was going to join me for this episode of AEW. That was one of the things he was calling me about during a lot of the talking segments, which I did not appreciate. But Gator did want to be part of this recap. But as soon as he saw this match, he shut the TV off and said, you're on your own. Aside from that cameo appearance, of course, that he made. But pretty much he didn't want to be part of the recap after that. And he's glad, that's why he said he's glad that I set him free and took him off of AEW. Even though the main reason I did that was not because I wanted to set Gator free. It was because I got sick and tired of him canceling on me all the goddamn time. And I realize now that Gator can't make a serious commitment to the show. So it was best to just take him off the show because if he can't 
kept canceling on me and I kept getting angry. I realized it was going to affect our friendship and I don't want that. So it was just best to let Gator go and do AEW by myself until somebody else decides they want to come on and be a correspondent. But understand this, ladies and gentlemen, I've said it last time and I'll say it again. You want to be an AEW correspondent? You want to work here on the Boochcast? Understand this. You need to be available every Wednesday night to do these recaps unless we go on break and be available for the AEW pay-per-views, which are now apparently on Sunday nights because of Collision on Saturday. And like I said, we hit the high spots with Collision. We don't go all in, no pun intended, on Collision, so that's not a big deal. But you do have to make a weekly commitment to the show and be available for the AEW pay-per-views if you want to be the AEW correspondent. If you want that responsibility, that's what's expected of you. If you don't want it, that's fine. I can do the show myself, as you can see. Anyway, this match was absolute fucking garbage. It was. You know, Gator, of course, was going crazy. There was a, about the chainsaw being on the show. That's because somebody eventually came out as Leatherface and was, you know, waving the chainsaw around. That spot was fucking stupid, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, you could clearly tell the person holding the chainsaw did not want to slice the person with the chainsaw. And that it obviously wasn't a real chainsaw. It's one of those ones that makes noises when you wave it around and shit. Now look, I understand that wrestling is entertainment. I understand wrestling is a work. I even understand that the guy dressed as Leatherface is not the real Leatherface. It was some random motherfucker in a costume. But when you are on the TV in wrestling, if you are going to be present on a wrestling show, if you're going to put on a wrestling match, if you're going to tell a wrestling story, everything you do in front of that camera should look fucking real. So if I'm supposed to believe in your kayfabe world that that is the real Leatherface coming out with a goddamn chainsaw, I expect the motherfucker to be waving that chainsaw like he wants to actually slice someone. You have a chainsaw and you kick somebody in the gut? What the fuck? You have a chainsaw! Swing it! Slice! Hell! The fact that the person was even standing there, who was it? It was like... Uh, Jay Lethal or Sanjay Dutt one of those two idiots if I see someone with a chainsaw I'm fucking running they shouldn't have even been there for Leatherface to kick them the second you saw this psycho running down the ramp with a chainsaw y'all should have been hauling ass Everyone should get up and leave the fucking ring. Leave. Run. That's what should be happening. Karen Jarrett is the only one that did anything even remotely believable to where Leatherface buried himself because she's crawling. Leatherface is clearly there. Now he wants to play mind games with the chainsaw. That's fine. At least Karen tried to sell this shit. When Karen Jarrett is selling better than everyone else in the segment, the segment's fucking shit. And that's not a knock on Karen Jarrett. I have no hatred towards Karen Jarrett, but everybody else in there are actually wrestlers they should be better at selling than Karen granted Karen does have experience in the business but the match itself was horrible the start of the match sucked because Jeff was in the ring and he jumped over the barricade then he walked out here for some random ass reason and then Jeff Jarrett attacked him over there which looked stupid then they had everybody else coming in and fighting it felt like anarchy in the arena because look I get that a death match has no disqualification but if it's a one-on-one -on -one match I'd rather see just the two people wrestling I don't want to see people fighting outside the ring then it just looks like a six-man Glorified six-man match only one person allowed to pin the other. It looks fucking stupid. The whole thing looks stupid. The weapons
Evans looks stupid. The match looks stupid. Jeff Hardy looks stupid. For Jeff Jarrett, I love Jeff, but that was equally as embarrassing for him. This was a fucking clown show. If you saw this shit in WWE, you would crap all over it. And when I say you, I'm talking about a lot of the fans out here that endorse everything AEW does. If you saw this in WWE, you'd lose your shit. If I saw it in WWE, I would lose my shit. But this was god-fucking-awful. It should have just been a death match, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre should have just been promoting the video game, and that's it. And if you were gonna have Leatherface come down there, everybody should have ran after that. After the match is over, you can do that, then Leatherface can come out, and everybody gets up and runs for their fucking lives. That would be great. And then you just have Leatherface in the ring, doing the the spin around thing with the chainsaw, like he did at the end of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when the girl got in the truck with the guy and drove away, and then he's sitting there like spinning around. You could have did that. And then eventually you get like security guards to come out, maybe somebody hits him with a taser gun or something, you neutralize him, and then get him out of there or have him chase somebody in the back or do something to end it but that would have been much better than the shit we saw in this ring although there is a part of me that's intrigued by this texas chainsaw massacre game it's apparently a multiplayer horror game based on true events and it drops friday and on that note we're going to move on to the next match of the evening the winner advances to all in in the fatal four-way tournament Britt baker goes one-on-one against the bunny this right here ladies and gentlemen was an awesome match match this was very well done and it's not every day you see great women's wrestling in aew but this was definitely it the bunny has clearly gotten so much better Britt baker she's always great in the ring and the finish was predictable because i had a feeling Britt baker was gonna win because this is all in this is wembley stadium Britt baker is one of the strongest aew originals that they got one of the greatest women's champions they've had she's gonna be in this match and of course it's now her sheeta tony storm and soraya i don't want Britt baker to wings i've already seen her as the world champion obviously i don't want she to wings i'm not happy she's champ to begin with um honestly I, I think soraya needs to win this one she's the only one here that's not the AEW women's champion or hasn't held the title and i feel like her time has come it's time for her to be at the top of the mountain of AEW because she is a star and it's time they started putting titles on stars instead of on the indie people that only are stars in their small niche bubble. It's time to expand the bubble. And you got to have stars be your champions to do that. And by stars, I mean stars that everybody knows. Not just the ones that the virgins on the internet know. So Soraya definitely needs to win that. But like I said, great match here. Like I said, the bunny improved dramatically. She she controlled the action for most of it. Breaker looked like she was going for the lockjaw. But Penelope Ford stole the uh, glove from her, so she had to resort to the curb stomp for the win. Great way to end it. Britt Baker now going to All In. And on that note, we move on to the next... moment I'll just say uh, the acclaimed come to the ring for a tag match and the lights go out they come back on the house of black is in the ring house of black attacks them Brody King hits caster with a steel chain buddy Matthews drills Bowens with a knee strike King slams Bowens the beatdown continues and caster gets busted open Julia Hart hands Billy Gunn's boots to buddy and they get passed to Malachi Black yeah okay this segment was just kind of there you know obviously they want to continue this feud with the acclaimed despite the fact it looks like Billy Gunn's not going to show up so either Billy has to quote unquote come out of retirement to help the acclaimed or they got to find a third person to tag with to take on the House of Black because clearly this feud is far from over now I have a scary feeling this could lead to Billy Gunn coming back going with the acclaimed and the three of them winning the trios titles and as much as I 
I want to see Billy Gunn with gold around his waist. I don't want him to be a trios champion. I want him to be the world champion. But we don't always get what we want, and AEW is known for treating their legends like extras. So, like I said, I, I don't see anything good coming out of this feud because I like the acclaimed. I don't love them. I like them. And the House of Black, I could give two shits about this group. So, basically nothing exciting for me to see here. And, obviously, we're going to skip the main event to invoke the Elite Rule. And I will say that <laughs> I'm surprised the death match wasn't the main event because they advertised that, and I felt it should have been. But the one good thing about the main event involving the dumb fucks was it allowed me to cut the show off early and record because I do have to get up early for a show in South Carolina. So at the time that I'm recording this, it's 11.19 p.m. At the time you're listening to this, it's uh, way later than that. But I do have to drive to South Carolina for a comedy show. So I'm glad that I don't have to stay up as late as I normally would so I can skip the main event and with that said um, thank you guys so much for tuning in and make sure you guys follow the Boochcast we're on Anchor Spotify Google Podcast and iHeartRadio pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites also like us on Facebook go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content uh, make sure you check out the male soap opera moment which is on our page uh, see our predictions for SummerSlam find out who was right and who was wrong and be on the lookout for our recap of SummerSlam coming soon I recently spoke to the Wens and I found out that we will be recording it next week so I don't know if we're going to do just the recap of SummerSlam or if it's going to include the recap of SummerSlam and our predictions for payback but be on the lookout for all those things coming out and coming soon to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 25th for WWE Survivor Series. Uh, as of right now, we're still working out the kinks. I'm trying to make sure the team can get together to put out a watch party for you guys because sadly, I will not be able to attend. On the 24th and the 25th of November, I will be with Buff Bagwell in Winston-Salem, North Carolina for WrestleCade. So make sure you guys come down during the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area. See us on the 24th and the 25th for WrestleCade. Buff and I will be there alongside some of the biggest names in professional wrestling at one of the biggest wrestling conventions in the world. World. And of course, for the rest of you who can't make it, make sure you go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast to hopefully join the team for the Survivor Series watch party. Also, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level which is 99 cents one dollar per month we have our second level which is 4.99 five dollars per month the same amount of money you would pay for a peacock subscription i know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the peacock so don't give them money give us money we got better content the peacock anyway and we got the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere 9.99 ten dollars per month the same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE network subscription here in the united states ever since they sold the peacock you got nowhere to put that 9.99 10.99 bring it over here we got better content than Network and unlike Endeavor, we actually care about our fans, are dedicated to giving the people what they want. 
You have the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.